Hey everyone, Chat Cemetery is back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Dave Musson, and we are talking about your Stephen King quiz book. The exact title is The Ultimate Stephen King Quiz Book, and you have a foreword in there by Michael Rothman from the Losers Club podcast, which I know both of us have actually been on in, I think, different iterations. I believe I was on a Patreon chat, and I believe you've been on some episodes as well. But Dave, how are you doing today? I'm I'm really well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. And um, yeah, to talk about my, my crazy quiz book project, it's, uh, it's really exciting. <laughs> Yeah, you sent it to me and I looked at it and I was like, this is over 400 pages. That is just so much content. And, you know, as someone who has read all of King's novels, because I did it in such a short time span, I think I read everything except I did not reread The Shining. I will admit that. I think I've admitted that before on this podcast, but I read everything else in three and a half years roughly not counting fairy tale, which came out like after I had already caught up with all of the books and doing it in such a condensed time frame means that I don't remember so much of the details. So I was reading through some of the quiz questions and I was like, I would be so bad at this quiz book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I, I set myself a challenge of finding 19 questions for each one instead of 10, like a normal quiz master would do. So yeah, had to had to sort of dig deep, but I know what you mean. I mean, I I did my reread probably over a similar time period to you, and I but I I would read one King book and then one non King book to try and sort of break it up a bit, a little bit, and not not risk being burnt out on King. But um, I don't know about you, but I I found on reread because I broadly remembered the plot of them, I found like I was noticing a lot more, and I think that that made for bringing it to the quiz i mean that that made for good questions because i was i was picking out more interesting details than i probably would have done on the first read because i wasn't focused so much on what was going to happen in the story but yeah i know i mean he, he's written so many books it's really difficult <laughs> i mean i i look at my quiz book now and i'm i like, i don't know i don't know the answer to that question because it was a quiz i wrote a year and a half ago it's um yeah that it's you're right there is a lot of content in there through like three thousand plus questions so Yeah. And for me, for the process of Chat Cemetery, a lot of these were first time reads for me. Okay, There had only been a handful of King books that I had even read prior to starting the podcast. And like you said, I did notice with those ones in particular, I was like, oh, I remember this. And you could just dive a little deeper with them. So of the, you know, four or five books that were rereads for me, I did notice that as well. Mm. And even still, I was running through some of these questions and I was just like, I have no idea what these answers are. (laughs) And, you know, you give some to start that are more generally about King's life. And I like that you kind of ease the readers into it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because when it's things like, okay, he wrote a book with his other son. What's that son's name? Most people will know who Joe Hill is. But not everyone would know Owen's name necessarily mm. unless they had read Sleeping Beauties and or any of Owen's other stuff. I know he doesn't have quite as much out as Joe, but still, it was just stuff like that. Like, I know about the accident with the van and King being in the hospital and all of that stuff. I have no idea what the date was. 
Absolutely no clue. I was thinking about it. I was like, I know generally speaking what time period it was because mm-hmm. it was like late 90s. And it's just so fun to see how deep you were able to go into this because, you know, you even have questions in here about King and the Red Sox and his book with Stuart Nan, I believe. Yeah. That's one of the few I have not read because I don't really have an interest in the Red Sox. But yeah, I mean, imagine how I found that as a Brit who doesn't really have an interest <laughs> or an understanding of baseball. That was um, that was quite a tough read. But I mean, yeah, I mean, your point about the um, the minivan question, it's, it's quite a handy one for anyone listening who is going to check out the quiz book. If there's any questions in here that involve a number, just guess 19. It'll probably be right <laughs> in some way. That's that's not a coincidence. But yeah, I mean, there's, you know, the guy's written, what, pushing 100 books. He's been a celebrity for nearly 50 years. There's a lot to pick from when it comes to, to questions. And there's there's a lot of information about him out there because I guess we're fortunate that he's been a celebrity in this this time period where so much of his, what he's done and what he's said has been captured and and recorded. So it's, there's a lot to get through, but it is accessible and you can find interesting bits of trivia about him and and obviously then there's the books as well and the movies there's just there's just so much to pull from it's um you kind of support for choice really yeah and as a reader and even someone who has watched most of the adaptations i have not watched all 800 children of the corn <laughs> movies thankfully well if that changes but you know even just pulling 19 questions out of something like the Tommy Knockers, which a lot of people don't love. Some people do love it, and I love that for them. Oh. I am not one of those people who loves the Tommy Knockers. So for me, I was just honestly impressed that you were able to pull 19 questions out of each of these books. And I can guarantee you, I don't know the answers to any of the Tommy Knockers ones. <laughs> I have tried to delete that book from my memory as much as possible. (laughs) Apologies for reminding you it exists. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. But for you, were you sort of just compiling these as you did the reread or did you do the reread with the intention of writing the quiz book? No, far, far from it. So the, the reread I started January, 2019. So back in those pre COVID times, and it was just I'd read everything at that point and when I did my first read I was just kind of pulling stuff off the shelf and just picking whatever up until the Dark Tower which I did in order but I was like okay I want to do a chronological reread I want to see how this experience is so I set myself going on that and then obviously a year and a bit into that COVID happened Mm -hmm. and the reason I bring COVID into it is because that's kind of what sparked what became the quiz book. The quiz book was essentially a fun idea that just got out of hand and just just ended up being something that I wasn't able to let go of. So the genesis of the quiz book was early on in the pandemic. I don't know what it was like for, for you guys over in the States, but but here there was like a there was a two or three week period at the start of the, the first lockdown where people went crazy for online quizzes and online trivia nights. Mm. And I love quizzes. I love online I love running quizzes out of taking part in quizzes. I always write quizzes for my family at Christmas and stuff. And I, I did a couple of online ones for my family early on, but it was like, I could only put one Stephen King question in, in each quiz. Um, <laughs> and I was kind of having to throttle myself almost. So I just thought, sorry, I'll, I'll put the call out to my Instagram followers and say, if I went live this weekend, 
with and did a 19 question Stephen King quiz would you come and play and quite a few people turned up and then it they seemed to have fun so at the end I said we're not going to be out of lockdown anytime soon should I do another one next week and the consensus was yes do another one and then the third week was like coincided with the anniversary of Christine so I did a Christine themed quiz and that was that was really what started sparking it but I was writing down the questions anyway so I sort of had a log of them and I just fell into the habit of doing it because it was a nice way to connect with people on a Sunday was Sunday evening for me Sunday afternoon for people joining from um, from America and 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 that side of the pond it just built into a nice little community pretty early on so that was early April was the first quiz and then by July, people had started saying, you should write a book. You should, you know, you've got all these questions written down. You should, you should do a book. So, so it became a topic of conversation in between questions. And, you know, the people who were joining every week just kept mentioning it. And my brain just latched onto it as an idea of something that I thought would be, would be fun. And it went from there. I, I think I have one of those, well, I say one of those. I have a brain where when I'm interested in, passionate and a fan of something I, I will go sort of almost evangelical about it I, I tend to not be able to just enjoy things and just enjoy them I, I you know I get a lot of my energy and a lot of my create my hobbies are sort of involved around creating content in some way be it podcasts or YouTube videos or writing or whatever so the idea of like being able to do something creative about King was quite appealing anyway so yeah once once I'd got the idea in my head I was then sort of being a bit more strategic around, okay, there's a book anniversary coming up so I can write 19 questions about Dreamcatcher or I can write 19 questions about Under the Dome or whatever. Looking at movie anniversaries as well and then just, I was always doing the little bits of general knowledge as well. So that really helped pad out those quizzes at the start of the book, which as you mentioned earlier, like the general knowledge ones. Once you, once you sort of tick off, okay, I'm going to do every book, I'm going to do every movie, that's a lot of quizzes right away. And then I started to get a bit more king geeky about it. So it's like, okay, I've got to tile this to 19 somehow. <laughs> so I was like, okay, it's got to be, it's got to be a number where I can make 19 out of it. So the first draft of the book had 163 quizzes in, 16 plus three. And then that was ready April, 2021. And I was working with some people to try and actually approach like real publishers and stuff. And <laughs> we, we made a bit of progress, but then some stuff happened and it, it sort of died off and sort of went away for a, a, a while. And then my second child was born and like stuff just got in the way. So I picked it up again, probably a year after that. So April, 2022. And by then obviously King had written new books. There'd been new movies and stuff. So I needed to write more quizzes. So I, I notched it up to 172 quizzes again to keep with the, uh, the 19. Um, and from that point it was like, okay, I'm just going to self publish this. So I'm just going to, knuckle down get all the the formatting done get everything finished do some proofreading like i got my dad to do a big bunch of proofreading for me and that was it really and then just sort of tapped back into my old quizzer network and was like guys is happening we need to start telling people about it and then was was finally able to hit publish just before christmas last year so yeah it was kind of a two-year labor of love but it was it was really fun to put together and you know there was the the core period where I was writing it was kind of winter from 2020 to 2021 mm -hmm. and I quite easily got into a routine of getting up quite early with my son on a on a weekend morning because he'd be up anyway 
selling him down in front of YouTube for an hour or so while he had his <laughs> breakfast. And I'd just, so he'd be there watching videos on YouTube. I'd be writing questions on Sleepwalkers or the Colorado Kid or whatever. You know, I'd sort of get two or three quizzes written each weekend. And again, you sort of, once I got into the, the habit of doing it, it was, it was pretty quick to pull together. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was a challenge at times, like you say, like some of the, the movies and adaptations that are perhaps not good. It's tough trying to find 19 questions for those, but, um, but yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed doing it. And I think it's, yeah, I'm really, really proud to have it out there. And people seem to like it, which is, which is the biggest thing that like I've had, had a lot of good feedback so far. Um, so I'm just hoping a few more people hear about it and go and give it a try themselves really. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you have like a group of friends who enjoy King, I can imagine doing like weekly get togethers or something and just like going through this quiz together, huh. sort of just doing it that way. Because like you were saying, a lot of people were doing trivia and stuff online early in the pandemic. And myself and a group of friends, we were doing the final exam trivia, which was put on by some people in the horror community here. And, you know, it was just a fun little thing to do. Oh. You know, they would get maybe two, 300 people doing the trivia every week or something. And it was just something that was nice to look forward to yeah. <laughs> for sure during the pandemic. But I even this, you know, because you can have like, an actual book mm. and you don't have to go through the logistics of having like a multiple choice online thing going on. I mean, I guess someone could theoretically turn it into that and make it a multiple choice quiz, yeah, they could. but you know, that is something that's just kind of fun to bring people together for sure. Yeah. And, and for me, like a quiz, I'm a big fan of, of the physical product for a quiz book it's something that you want to thumb through you want to find a quiz that you might do in, on your lunch break and then you want to flick to the answers at the back so having a book was important but like you were just saying there as well like for me as much as anything obviously that book was two years of work and you know a, a sort of it's a it's a sort of translation of my fandom into pages but it's it's also like a physical reminder of that little community that I was able to build mm -hmm. during that time and you know what was what was otherwise a pretty miserable bleak time really i had those those evenings every sunday where i was catching up with my friends and i was testing their knowledge and stuff and it's it's really nice in a way to have that sort of physical for, like for me i know i know most people who buy the book won't have that connection to it but it's you know for me when i look at it on the shelf it's it's like a piece of work i'm proud of but it's also like that's how i met my core group of constant quizzes who I dedicate the mm -hmm. book to so it's, it's it's got some really happy memories tied into it for me as well which is which is really nice yeah and you talk about focusing on the number 19 for this which is something that you also do with your youtube channel mm. so that is dave reads king everyone go check it out but you do a lot of videos that are 19 reasons to read whatever book you're on mm -hmm. at the time. So it seems like that is something that is definitely a big theme throughout like all of your King related content. And if I'm not mistaken, you just recently started a podcast as well, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, I mean the, the 19 thing was, is one that I definitely felt like latching onto when I was 
sort of starting all these king related creative projects so yeah the youtube stuff um i'd been wanting to give youtube a go for a while and then i had the idea of like 19 reasons to read carry um and then just just went from there really and um went through all the books in chronological order so caught up with I sort of, I think I did a review of Fairy Tale when it came out, and then I did my 19 Reasons to Read Fairy Tale about two months later. So I got to the end of the books by the end of last year, and I've just started the movies as well. Um, and yeah, that's, that's fun. It's, um, it kind of, I think it helps me stand out a bit because, you know, lots of people do this like 10, 10 reasons to watch this, 10 mm-hmm. facts about this, but 19 is a bit of a weirder number. Obviously, it's more work, but it's, it's, for for king fans hopefully they they appreciate the nod to that world um and yeah i mean i'm i'm also technically in a band i haven't done anything for a while but my band is called chapter 19 as well um, (laughs) which is uh, a deliberate not not to king our first our first single was a song about stephen king called stephen but yeah and then the podcast has kind of been a really nice spin-off from the youtube work so one thing I do like to do, if I ever get to a position where I get some sort of platform, I, I do like to sort of talk about and sort of big up other people in that space. So, you know, my first ever podcast, taking it back a few years, was um, something I did about the local music scene in the area where I live here in the okay. UK. And, and you know, my main focus on that was I wanted to give podcasting a go, but I also wanted to get people listening to some of the bands who I my band was playing with week in, week out and so that was kind of the thinking behind this podcast that I'm, you know, I've been fortunate over the last couple of years to meet a lot of amazing indie horror authors through Instagram and through the horror community. And I wanted to start something that had a King connection, but also allowed me to put new voices in front of people. Because one of the things I do get asked a lot in the comments are like, who else do you read? Like what other horror authors would you recommend? So the podcast idea seemed to, to sort of work on a couple of levels it was like i can get somebody on to chat about a king but i can do it in the context of that other person is also a horror author so actually mm-hmm. the main focus of the conversation is more i want to hear about them i want to hear about their journey into being a reader into being a writer i want to know about their work and then we can switch the conversation to king and we we talk about one book so yeah the podcast is called constant writers and as i sit here and record with you now we've just put episode five out so there's one more episode in this first short season and then i've got a few more short seasons planned for later in the year but been really blessed to have some amazing guests on so far and um, got some more in the pipeline as well so if each episode turns one or two people onto that author and makes them go and give it a try then it's been totally worth it for me because there's you know king's only going to be around for so long and his are massive shoes to fill and i'm not suggesting that any of the people i've had on the podcast are going to be as successful as king but like in terms of people who read king and enjoy king there's there's a lot about their work that they're going to enjoy so i just want to i just want to take the little platform i've built for myself and the little following i have and just say go and share these people out because they're they're really worth worthwhile sort of um parting with some of your cash in reward for the in return for their uh, for their writing yeah and one of the things I've noticed about the horror community too, especially the Stephen King community specifically, is that, you know, I wasn't worried about the fact that like the Losers Club podcast already existed when I started mine because I was like, you know, yes, they're both about King. Yes, we're both reading the books and watching the stuff, but I did it in a different way than 
they hmm. were doing it. Like I remember I looked at their feed before I even started Chat Cemetery, and I was like, I will not be doing a four hour episode on it. <laughs> I can tell you that right now, <laughs> you know? So for me, it's just nice to see more people like yourself getting into podcasts that are not solely about King, but King adjacent. And when the King cast started and they were getting people like Jamie Lee Curtis on the podcast, mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool because it was doing things in a different way than like myself and the Losers Club were doing it because they're getting these massive celebrities on. Not that the Losers Club doesn't also get celebrities on now, but you know that was like never my intent for Chat Cemetery. It was more, I'm kind of doing this to keep myself accountable for wanting to read and watch all of the King stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I started it as a way to give myself deadlines. Because if I didn't, I would have never gotten through all of the books. Definitely not at the pace I did. That's maybe like the one thing I might change if I could go back, like maybe make the podcast every other week or something, (laughs) just so I have breathers because there was a stretch. I think it was like under the dome, Duma Key and 11-22-63, and there were no movies or TV shows in between or something. Yeah, and they're chunky books as well. Yes. And it was just a brutal stretch for like that month of those episodes. But I somehow got it done and caught up. And now that things have slowed down, it's like we were talking about earlier, you sort of get out of the habit. And now I'm just like, well, I did the thing I set out to do. So I don't really know what to do now. So I'm kind of in this figuring it out phase still. And there's still stuff coming out, obviously. So I cover those things as they happen. And you know, you putting this book out and I know Bev Vincent recently had a book that I had a copy of sent to me that I have not had a chance to read just yet because things got so wild that I just did not get around to it yet. But I think with King and the community around it, it's, I want to say it was not that I was surprised with how welcoming everyone is, but it's like, it's not a competition, which I love. So it never felt like I was competing with the Losers Club podcast. In fact, I was kind of what was holding the podcast back because I was just talking to the same like five people for the early days of Mm -hmm. the podcast. Because I was like, I don't know who's going to commit to reading an entire book for my podcast when they don't know me, (laughs) you know? And it turns out just asking... You know, like I had Jen from the Losers Club on to talk about 112263. I had Prince Jackson from Nightlife over at Bloody Disgusting on. And once I just started asking other like podcasters in the horror community and like people who write about horror but don't necessarily have a podcast, the podcast, like the audience definitely grew. And I feel like that's kind of been the same for you as you sort of dive into more different formats. You know, people who watch your YouTube channel will probably go check out the podcast and check out the quiz book. So it's just been nice to see that sort of community get built up around something so specific. Yeah. And it feels like, I mean, you know, there's been referencing the the losers club you know they they often talk about this of the king renaissance around the eight movies and how mm-hmm. you know we had that that sort of big wave of, of adaptations and stuff coming through and it feels like that so off the back of that and then now as we head towards 50 years since carrie came out i get the sense that there's there's more there's more sort of stuff happening that's talking about king than perhaps we might have had 
um, up until recently. So like Bev Vincent's book is a good example. The Castle Rock Kitchen cookbook, like mm -hmm. a cookbook <laughs> based on Stephen King. Like what a weird idea. And yet it's yeah. brilliant and, and it works. And and yeah, and I think, you know, there's, there is a real appetite for game people's takes on this. And, and I think King being King as well, you know, we've got multiple generations of fans there. So there's so many different viewpoints and something I've definitely found going through the books is like, you know, I, I make no secret that I don't like the talisman, but for a certain generation of King fan, the talisman is like their book. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some, some people get silly about me, about me not being very nice about it, but others are very like, you know, this book is huge for me, but I can understand why you don't like it. Whereas, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, I, I came to King quite late i didn't i didn't read a king book until 2010 so his sort of 2010 stuff was obviously the stuff that was coming out uh, as i was a officially a king fan so i probably like that a lot more than perhaps his his og readers do mm -hmm. um but it is really interesting you know I've, i recently did my the end of last year i did my overall ranking of, of all of king's books um and it's it's great getting stuck into the comments in there because you know obviously everyone's list is completely different, and I think that's the beauty of of King's bibliography. So he's he's absolutely got something for for everyone, really. You know, he's got he covers a range of different genres, and I I've not met any King reader whose top ten would be the same as mine, or whose bottom ten would be the same as mine. Um, so it's yeah, it is it's a it's a really great community to to be part of, and I think. Something I've noticed in the conversations I've been having for the podcast as well, I've spoken to a couple of people who are not, not as big a King fan as perhaps I am, but you know they're writers in the horror space and they're so conscious of him because he's 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 kind of an elephant in the room when it comes to horror, really, because like yeah. he is he is the man, particularly with him still being alive and still being still producing stuff. So, you know, it it, it very quickly broadens out, like even if you go beyond King superfans, if it's just people who are active in the horror space, they're probably going to have a King book that they love and that they go to, or there's going to be a bunch of King movies that they could talk about with confidence. So yeah, like you say, once, once you start asking around, there's always people who are going to be there to have a conversation. And um, I think it's just, it's, I think, I feel like it's, it's really heartwarming to see so many people creating so much good content about King as well, because you know, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, he's long been sort of, I guess the the literary snobs have, have long looked down their noses at him and you know we're years off him being recognized as a as the writer he is in, a, in an academic sense I don't think that's going to happen yeah. until long after he's dead so being in this space now where we've got this coming together of like how easy it is to create video or audio or written content and how many people want to do it and how easy it is to get out of there to your audience. I think it's 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 great to get all these different perspectives and these these different experiences of of how people have come to King and what what he means to them and stuff. So it's I, you know for me to be able to like contribute a little bit to that is is really fun. I think. Yeah, and you mentioned positivity there, and I know that with something like YouTube, negative titles will tend to get you more clicks mm -hmm. and because of that bias that everyone has. But, you know, because I did a video a while back on Cell being bad, and it's one of my least favorite books of Kings. And I'm not even sure that the person watched the video because they commented on it. And they're like, just because you're too young to understand it doesn't mean it was bad. I was like, 
no, I just don't like it. (laughs) That's why I think it's bad. But I've never been like, this thing is bad. And you're wrong if you like it. That's never been my style. And it's the same with you and your videos, I've noticed. It's one of those things that you're doing this thing of reasons to read something, even if you don't like it. And I think that is just a big testament to how the king specific community kind of has these two sides to it. It has those of us who just want to consume everything, whether we like it or not. And I remember someone like left a review for this podcast and they were like too many three stars. I'm like, sometimes things are just fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's weird when people expect you to love everything that an author does just because you love a good chunk of the stuff that they do. And I went back and I looked at my Goodreads ratings and I was like, yeah, there's a lot of threes in here, but there's also a lot of fours. And I definitely know that there's probably a good five to 10 books that I just really love and have given five stars to. Like I I know that off the top of my head and I'm just like, he can't write a hit every single time. Yeah, and and how many other authors have five five star books in their bibliography? Yeah. Very few. And I, I think I think it's a much healthier way to approach things to not just blindly love absolutely everything that your favorite author does. Because I mean, you end up getting all Annie Wilkes about it, then, don't you? I think it's I think yeah. it's healthy to to look at books and either look at a book and say like like for me like the stand i objectively the stand is an amazing book likewise wizard and glass but for me as a fan they're really low down on my rankings because they don't really do much for me but sometimes i do get a sense in my youtube comments that 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 idea of having any element of nuance and 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 being able to to sort of think critically about books is is lost on some people but Again, I think his his bibliography is the scope of it is, is so wide that yeah, like you say, he's not going to write a hit every single time, and mm-hmm. not everything he writes is going to resonate with every reader in the same way. So I think it's I think it's perfectly natural to to go through and be like, yeah, I like these ones. I don't like these ones so much, and and these ones are just as you say, these ones are just totally fine. But you ne- you never know which of King's books are going to really strike a chord with with some people, you know. I know people who absolutely love Dreamcatcher, and yeah. good for them. And I can I can see <laughs> exactly. like the bits I like in Dreamcatcher. I'm like, okay, I, if people are feeling like this about the whole book, I totally get that. But then it all you know for me bits fall apart. But yeah, but yeah, you, you, he's, I can't think of any author any other author where there's so much content to choose from, and you know he's he's written nearly a hundred books. They're all, but he's. He's never stood still. He's never sort of kept himself in one lane. Mm-hmm. And I think by nature of him doing that, you're always going it's, to, it's always going to divide your your fan base's opinions. I mean, I love his stuff from the 90s. A lot of constant readers are not really into his 90s work because it was too experimental. It was too much focused yeah. on drama. It was too much like, how how dare he like try and write about the issues of like domestic abuse or whatever for three books. Like, what's he doing? I just want monsters and stuff. But I found that really interesting. I found there was a real mm-hmm. confidence in that run of, of books because he didn't have to prove anything and he could, he could take his time and experiment. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, like I said earlier, it's a fun community to be part of. And at least with the quiz book, I wasn't like trying to, 
I mean, I suppose I was with my haikus a little bit, but at least with the quiz book, it was more like fact-based. It wasn't like yeah. 19 question, question one, is the standard good book? Yes or no? You know, <laughs> that, that was slightly easier. Yeah, it's not based on your opinion of these no. books and movies. It's just like, here's trivia on the facts of these things. Like, what is this person's name? What is this character's day job? You know, <laughs> whatever. And being people who make things that then get put on the internet, you're obviously always going to attract some people who will very vehemently disagree with you <laughs> and feel the need to sort of just comment on things instead of just simply not watching or listening to them. Like if someone doesn't listen to this podcast because I think a lot of King's work has been fine. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to hate listen to the podcast just because you disagree with me. <laughs> like, yeah. And I mean, I mean like hate consuming a podcast, like that's, that's such a commitment of time for something you're not enjoying. I mean, like I can sort of see it with my videos cause they tend to be around 10 minutes long. So if, if somebody, mm -hmm. if somebody gets a sense that I'm bashing on their favorite book, you know, I can understand them sparing 10 minutes of their time and then leaving me a snarky comment but yeah the podcast thing is like it's like um you've got a whole world of stuff to pick to listen to like yeah just go and listen to something else i'm with you on that like some of the comments i see i try and reply to every comment on my youtube channel whether they're being good nice whether they're being friendly nice or indifferent and i do have most fun with the ones who are being negative and it's interesting the ones who will say something and never come back and the ones who mm -hmm. will like engage in a dialogue because I've, I've had quite a few comments that started off quite snarky and I've pushed back against them and then we've had a really good conversation about it and it's almost like you just need to go back in that first place and sort of set it up as a back and forth rather than a, a shouting match whereas others just come in and say something mean and then go away but, <laughs> but I always have the last word on those because I do reply to them and then it's my comment is there left unanswered so yeah, you're never going to please everybody on the internet. That is the, the, the big downside of the internet. So, you know, you're never going to please everyone. And there, there are always going to be people out there who, I mean, there are people out there who just get a kick out of writing something negative and getting a response from you. So sometimes I am hesitant to reply, but it's like, no, I, I kind of, I don't, I don't like to leave things lingering on there. Even if I'm just telling them to jog on, it's um, still quite <laughs> satisfying to do. Yeah, well, I applaud you for doing that. I am terrible at it. I try if someone asks me a question to reply, but if they're just kind of like, you're wrong, I'm just like, I don't have time for this, <laughs> you know? I had one guy, I've, I've actually removed his comments from, from the video because it was, I was just getting annoying, but it was on the Colorado Kid. And I happened to say, because I was referencing that there's a character called Dave, Dave Bowie mm -hmm. in that book. And I, I think I said in the video, it's like, Bowie, Bowie, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce it um, because I'm not a fan of the musician. I'm just, just not into him. And some guy commented, was like, lost all respect for this guy when he said he didn't like Bowie. So I went back to him and I, I, that comment came through like late on a Sunday afternoon on a weekend of full on parenting. And it was just like, I haven't got time for this. So I just commented, was like, what has my musical taste got to do with whether I like, a, whether I can review a book or not. And it ended up just going back and forth over about four or five days. And it ended up at the point where he was like, he used the phrase living rent-free in your head. And I was just like, oh, just, I just need to cut you off now. But it's, it's just once like that, it's just like, I don't, 
like his argument was that anybody who didn't see that David Bowie slash Bowie slash however you pronounce it is an is a like unmitigated genius then you're not allowed to have like any any of your opinions on anything in life are invalid if you don't think that that particular musician is the most amazing genius ever and just, I just I just couldn't get my head around that logic at all um and yeah when you drop the rent free thing I think I, I think I ended up replying saying well, technically, you're driving my engagement by continuing to comment here. So I'm getting more views and more ad money. So you're earning me money for this. But anyway, I've had enough of this now. So bye. So yeah, it's just stuff like that. It's like, I mean, I enjoy the back and forth when it becomes a discussion. But when it's just like mudslinging, it's just it's like, yeah, life people. No. Yeah, it's one thing to not like something and still be able to understand like, okay, this musician is important to like the history of music does not mean you have to like them. You know, it's, it's not like you were saying he's terrible and you don't get why, you know, he was as big as he was. It's like, especially with music and people get really defensive about music that they like. And, you know, yes, I love King and you love King, but it's not our personalities. And I think that's a big thing with a lot of the people who are creating a lot of the King content. It's like, yeah, we like other things and we don't like other things. And we're not going to tell people they're wrong because they have a different opinion than us on something King related. Like Hmm. it's that kind of energy that I think one makes this worth continuing to do for all of us who are doing it because for the most part a lot of the viewers and listeners are the same way which is probably why they're listening and watching the videos in the first place but for you now that you're doing video and a podcast and you have the quiz book have you ever felt like you know obviously each one serves their purpose but have you ever had trouble sort of like separating the quiz book from doing the videos or have you wanted to make, you know, content that is too similar for the differing platforms? Cause I think right now that's my struggle because I want to do YouTube videos, but I've already basically reviewed everything that King has done for the podcast Mm -hmm. and to try and take the podcast, like a podcast conversation I had with someone else and make it into a 10 minute video because I don't want to have to go back and fact check myself either and be like, did I give this three stars? Did I give it four stars? You know, because if there is someone who has listened to the podcast, they might go fact check it and be like, you changed your mind. (laughs) And, you know, does stuff like that ever worry you if you've covered something more than once? That's an interesting question. I I think I'm probably fortunate in that because all of my different strands started had very different starting points and have sort of mm-hmm. developed organically it's it's got to the point now where i can i can sort of youtube is almost my hub and i can sort of pull in or do spin-offs of other things there so like the youtube was the first thing i did sort of king related so i was already well down the route of covering the books when the pandemic started and the quizzes happened mm-hmm. the quizzes has just been like a almost like a happy a nice add-on almost of like oh hey i wrote this thing and it's it's one that i'm very conscious that only my only my regular viewers are, will probably care that much about and then 
the podcast was very much, you know, very much done as a spin-off of the YouTube series as well. So that they are, the, the video versions of those interviews are on my YouTube channel and then the, the podcasts are on audio spaces. So for me, it's kind of, yeah, I think, I think just happy coincidence that, yeah, I've done 19 reasons to read all of the books and there's 19 questions about them in the quiz book. And now I'm mm-hmm. at the point where I've got other people to come on and talk in a little bit more detail about the books, but it's very much their point of view. So I've kind of, I feel like I've got, like you have, I've sort of got my opinions out there and this podcast format is a useful way of maybe revisiting some of those books and still chipping in with some of my opinions, but it's yeah. the focus is on other people. You just don't have as much of that overlap of the content being too similar to where you're sort of worried that, oh, I might say this thing that I'm possibly meant to say on the podcast, because I do that a lot. Like I'll finish recording an episode of the podcast and I'm like, oh, I didn't talk about that one thing that I wanted hmm. to talk about. And then I go on and I probably remember that again when I go to edit it. But once it's out, I, it's yeah. just like out of sight, out of mind. And I can't tell you what I've said on 180 episodes of this podcast. I mean, I guess for you, you you're at this point now where you, you know, you, you, you've got a level of authority in this space as, as some people see me as having as well, having gone through everything and sort mm-hmm. of done that. So just thinking very much off the top of my head here, but you know, like from some of my best performing YouTube channel uh, videos have actually been more of the, the guides. So like my guide to the dark tower, where I put out a suggested reading order and sort of pulled in all of the connected books. Yeah. I did the same as one of like my first few YouTube videos or Mm -hmm. something. And it's the only one that like still gets views from then. Those kind of like evergreen type guide ones. But if you're, if you're building those, but drawing, you know, you can reference back your, your episodes then, but you're sort of drawing on some of the research and the work you've done for those, but then it's a way of reusing bits of it, but it's not completely rehashing it. So, you know, doing some top tens, doing some like okay, let's, let's find all the connected characters or let's find all the books from Derry or whatever and, and, yeah. and doing stuff like that. That's, that's probably one way you could, you could go about it. Cause I think those, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I look at, I look back at my early videos and probably the first year and a half or so, I was just mixing up the order all over the place. So there were spoilery reasons and non-spoilery reasons mm-hmm. throughout the 19. And it was only sort of halfway through my journey that I landed on the, actually put in a spoiler alert in so there's a part of me that would love to go back to those first 40 odd videos and do them again and do them with my audience with a bit more of a generous thought towards my audience but yeah i don't want to go back and and go over them again so if if i'm rehashing stuff i want to do it in a more creative way so yeah it's it's kind of it's i i totally see where you're coming from because when you've put all that work in to go through everything you definitely Mm -hmm. don't want to go back and just tread over our ground but you are in this position now where people respect where you've got to and what you've what you've done so it's it's about sort of picking out those those little bits and how can you how can you use that to pivot onto the next step yeah and well my thing with youtube is like i've done stuff like my favorite king ending which is pet cemetery so i did a little video on that Mm -hmm. um but i think i kind of shoehorned myself into a type of video that I actually don't like doing because I've also been talking about comics and things like that. So mm-hmm. I have a bunch of videos on like Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe Infinite, which are like the subscription apps for anyone who doesn't know for Marvel and DC, where you can just read 
a ton of their comics digitally for like a monthly or a yearly fee. And I did a bunch of videos on like the functionality of the apps. Mm -hmm. And then I ran out of things to say. So now like, I feel like a bunch of my subscribers or followers wanted those videos. And now I'm kind of like trying to shift away from those. And I put out a video that was very specifically like, I'm not doing these anymore, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, just so it's out there and like, people can't be like, well, you didn't tell us sort of thing, (laughs) you know? So for me, it's sort of mostly just finding the balance of making content around the things I enjoy. Because in addition to this podcast, I had Welcome to Geekdom, where I talked about everything else that wasn't King that I enjoyed. So Mm -hmm. I did the Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, other horror movies, and it was kind of all over the place. So that didn't have like one specific niche either. And it's just, you know, you've created such a unique experience that is revolving around King that I really admire because my brain is more all over the place. It's like, you like too many things. Can (laughs) you calm down for five minutes? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I know what you mean. I think, yeah, I think that was just was probably just a a very fortunate what has turned out to be a decent idea when I first started mm-hmm. it. But um, but yeah, but hey, I mean, there's a, there's a there's a plenty of space for like a a Joe Hill YouTube channel. You could you could go down that route maybe. Yeah, I have done most of the Hill House comics. Mm-hmm. I've done videos on those. I've done. I I don't know if I've specifically done some stuff on. Scott Snyder, because he did, you know, American Vampire with mm-hmm. King. So I definitely want to lean a little more into horror in different ways that maybe aren't directly related to King. But it seems like horror comics is kind of going to be the sweet spot mm. for me. Whether or not those videos do well, time will tell. But like you were saying to stuff like reading guides, because they're evergreen, yeah. I've noticed we'll do better. So I've I've been like picking out Marvel and DC characters and doing those. And and as you as you've probably found with with Chat Cemetery, like just showing up regularly and yeah. sticking to a schedule, like that does so much of the legwork in terms of building audience. I think I think that's what got me past my first thousand subscribers on YouTube was just I'm there every Sunday. So yeah, people just keep seeing you and and. You just get in people's you get in people's heads a bit more. Yeah, that's what I need to get back to for my sanity mostly because when things are not on a schedule, it just throws everything into chaos for mm-hmm. me. And because my day job is editing podcasts, I try so hard to keep everyone on a schedule. I'm like, can you please just like <laughs> do this this specific day each week? Because I have some shows that are like, Oh, we'll put an episode out Wednesday this week, Friday next week, yeah. and I'm like can we not do that? Yeah. So this has been an episode about a Stephen King quiz book and also some YouTube therapy here. <laughs> That's good. That's good. But Dave, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with the audience on your book, your YouTube channel, your podcast, all of the above? Everything will be linked to in the show notes, by the way, for those of you listening. So I highly, highly recommend checking everything out. I mean, no loads so uh, thank you again so much for having me on it's been it's been it's been i always appreciate the uh the chance to sort of tell people what i'm doing and yeah i mean in terms of in terms of one of my projects yeah the, i mean the, the, if you want to pick up the book that'd be nice i'll get a little bit of pocket money for it and hopefully you'll have something on your shelf that you'll enjoy going back to you know let me know which your favorite quizzes are 
let me know which of the favorite which your favorite haikus are as well i ended up writing a haiku about every single book and every single movie <laughs> as well again because it seemed like a good idea at the time so there's like bonus quiz in there youtube stuff yeah come and leave me a comment and i'll reply i'd prefer it if you were nice but if you're not nice i'll still probably <laughs> reply i mean yeah the pod the podcast the podcast is probably the constant writers project is probably the one right now i'm most excited about not just because it's new and shiny but like i said earlier it's that people often ask me who else i would recommend reading and this is my way of getting those recommendations out there so you know I've, I've, by the time this goes out there'll probably be the first season will be done so that'll probably be mm-hmm. six episodes obviously it's only six but it's a start it's it's six new voices to go and check out and there'll be more coming later in the year as well but other than that no just just keep reading king and if if some of my content is helpful to you then yeah check it out and i'd be very grateful for that but yeah like like you it's just a, it's a nice space to nice space to be in so um thank you for having me on and letting me let me kick out and i hope that hope the youtube therapy was helpful as well <laughs> it was thank you 